the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. That's called When I Close My Eyes by Breath, Spirit, in Life. Uh, refreshingly honest lyrics there, uh, Richard. Richard Spremick, by the way, is in studio with us today. He is the leader of Breath, Spirit, in Life Band. And, you know, there's been sort of this march within contemporary Christian music in recent years. Everybody wants so desperately to get a crossover that they tend to sort of sanitize the lyrics and I love you, I love you, I love you, but at the end of the day, it could be God you're talking about, Jesus, or uh, the girl you met last night. And so to to hear the honesty and straightforwardness of the lyrics... Um, and what does the word tell us? There's power in his word to yes. also be inclusive of Scripture in your writing, which I know you're very intentional about, uh, is refreshing because, let's face it, 
uh, if the music is going to touch our heart and touch our spirits, it really needs to be empowered by his word. That's right. And, and the, um, uh, it really blesses me as you say that because I wanted to change that beginning because I woke up at 3.30. Again, I don't play a chordal instrument. That's one of the miracles of writing these songs. I get up and I put them on tape recorders. So I was up at like 3.20 or something like that. And I was just walking around the house, couldn't sleep, going, you're so wonderful. But the melody line came to me. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll just use that. You're so wonderful and I love you first. And it it rides out on I love you at the end. And I said, okay, Lord, what do I say there? Because I always ask him, man, that's If it's the key to... Uh, uh, to all of our success, he's in the breath of the words. Mm -hmm. He says, because Jesus said, I speak, the Father does the work. So I've taught myself kind of uh, humble myself and go, okay, Lord, we can do something better. He said, no, that's what you came to me with, and that's what touched my heart. I said, okay, you're so wonderful it is, and you're right. um, I was at a conference the other day, big one, uh, a couple weeks ago, and the person that was leading it, and I, you know, teach his own. But they kept talking about, well, the trends are now, the trends are now. And I got in trouble in an interview. I'll tell you what I said a couple of weeks ago. I said, we're not allowing the creator to move through his created. We're trying to figure out. We're trying to, okay, marketing, marketing. Rich, you can't play in a worship team. Man, we want the face of the church to be young. Really, who said that? Well, don't tell anybody I told you. That's what the marketing people say. <laughs> so, man, isn't it just like God to use a guy who's north of uh, middle age uh, that has a heart for him, I believe, and I can play a little bit, and I'm just surrendered to what he wants me to do. I, I, I'm curious, from a, from a musical standpoint, so your, 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 your forte in the music was as a drummer. Right. And is that kind of singularly your, your arena in the rhythm section? Yes. I started off playing trumpet okay. years ago. And then discovered <laughs> you prefer drums? Well, yeah, to be honest with you, I got chapped lips when uh, I was 12. And I can't thought, keep the embouchure going. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. Did you play in a certain? So, uh, yeah, clarinet. But uh, they, they took it away from me years ago, and rightfully so. Uh, so I, I'm curious because for a guy who comes from the rhythm section and here all of a sudden God is inspiring you to write melody lines mm-hmm. and to bring out the lyrics, that's got to come from something from deep within, doesn't it? Yes, and... Um, I like to say that, uh, give credit where credit is due. I, I love listening to good preaching teaching. And, man, if I hear something like the other day I heard, um, no one else knows what it feels like to worship a God who lives inside of us. So a new song I'm working on, I'm going to say, oh, my Lord, how wonderful it is to be, to be worshiping a God that lives inside of you. Think of a stadium saying that. Mm-hmm, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's Jesus, you know, and... And so uh, no trends for me, and I believe that, that uh, God is using this ministry. And uh, thank God my new wife, she's fully behind me. I want to shout out to Lori and, um, uh, because we're self-funding and we get it going. I mean, I've already got uh, new material. I heard of Ron Carpenter. Uh, now I'm getting excited uh, uh, talking about um, speaking things that be not made. Just moved to San Jose. So I have a song called Hey Everybody. It sounds like Prince met uh, 
uh, the Parliament Funkadelics. Remember those guys, Bootsy <laughs> yeah. Collins? Oh, yes. Boop-boop-boop. <laughs> so, hey, everybody, we're Breast Spirit Life. Come to share the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, speaking things that be not made as if they already are. We walk by faith and not by sight in the power of the living God. So what I try to focus in on with these lyrics is that how that helped me get, get past, even, um, even if I don't see things. You know, the Bible says, uh, one of uh, 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 worldwide pastors said, oh, do you believe in all that mumbo, John? I thought, man, A, that's not encouraging if it were true. But, but I said, well, how do you get past accepting the Lord by faith? Faith, by definition, means you believe in something not revealed to the senses, right? Anyway, I can see my wife going real that in. As a lot of that is, that, is that sort of descriptive, Richard, of your spiritual journey, this sense of walking by faith and not by sight? Because uh, let's face it, if sometimes we walk by sight and we see up what's up ahead, it can be quite frightening. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, um, when I came out of being hurt, I had built two companies. I was getting ready to retire. Um, uh, and, but I... I hated what I was doing. I was a profit center. I, I put deals together. And, but coming out of it, when God said, make the switch, he said, I never intended for you to do anything other than what I created you for. He said, this is your passion. I said, well, Lord, well, what am I going to do? You know what he said? He said, trust in me. I said, I do. He said, no, look up what that word means. One of, one of the sub, rely on me as your only source. So when I get up with my wife in the morning, we go to separate rooms, and I, it's just so wonderful. She reads, I read, we come together, and just recently, man, we're closing our eyes, and we're going, Lord, uh, they say I've got diabetes, but uh, in, my, in my spirit, my truth, I can see me being washed through your blood. Mm-hmm. And I believe that the day is coming, man, where I'm already off the insulin I'll be kicking that metformin. But here's the wonderful thing. That's for everybody. And people say, well, Rich, I don't know like you do. You don't need to. Man, Psalm 105, I think David said, bless the Lord, 104, 105, with all my soul and do not forget the benefits. Oh, are you a name and claim it? Well, I guess I am because. And just just the, what, just the faith of a mustard seed, right? And, right. And, and it's interesting that kind of, to, to wrap up our conversation, pulls us back full circle. Damascus experience, and I think of Paul at the moment of which he was struck blind, uh, stepping out and. Is it you, Lord? Yes, it is I whom you have persecuted. Uh, there had to be a huge amount of faith in that very moment mm-hmm. because he could no longer see. And so he was put into a place where he could only trust blindly so in this voice that he heard that turned out to, yes, be the one that he was persecuting that eventually would be the one that he would not only serve but give his life for. Uh, just fascinating how how God sort of completes that full circle that as we come across sort of these high watermarks in life and we try to make sense of it all, uh, we see in the end that God had a very a, a perfect plan for our lives from the very beginning. We just couldn't see it. Yes. The new album's called Hearts Cry, and again available at iTunes, Amazon, or directly on the website breathspiritlife.com. You guys perform at events around the Bay Area. If church is looking for you guys to come out and do something, uh, they can contact you through the website. Yes, and also they can call me at four zero eight six zero seven twenty six twenty one. I'd like to say I'm going to be putting a new uh, uh, ministry band together to support this album. And if there are any musicians out there from the Sacramento-Roseville area, 
that would love to play many different genres of music and serve the Lord. That's going to be next. Reach out to you then, 408-607-2621. And again, the new album, Hearts Cry, newly released, available iTunes, Amazon, or directly through the website at breathspiritlife.com. Richard, thank you so much for dropping by, brother. Well, thank Good you for having you. me. All My right, pleasure. we're going to take a time out. Coming up around the corner, Ben Russell's going to join us next, talk about how you can increase your resources to care for your family. We'll find out what that's all about, Alfie, <laughs> as Lifeline continues. Right now, though, let's find out what's going on out there traffic-wise. And Nick Domenici has got the latest. Nick? And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. It's an amazing historical phenomenon. The Dow Jones Industrial Average Bull Run has just recently celebrated its 10th anniversary, completely unheard of. And hard to believe that clear back just about the first part of March, just 10 years ago in 2009, the Dow had reached its lowest point, 6,400 and change. And today, we're well over 25,000. That's a 400% increase in 10 years. And if you were in it, you've enjoyed it. And if you weren't in it, well, maybe you need to give some second thought as to your relationship between your family's financial future and what it means to be an investor. Now, a lot of people get nervous and say, oh, wait, stock market stuff? Oh, no, no, no. I don't understand that. It's too confusing, too much involved. Well, if you think that way, then there's a very special event coming up that you need to be a part of. Tradeway will be bringing their Step 1 Start Your Journey seminar to the San Francisco Bay Area. Tradeway, of course, has been teaching thousands of families nationwide how to trade in the stock market. And uh, here's a chance for you to learn. You don't need any previous experience to attend the event because Tradeway breaks everything down into easy-to-understand, step-by-step procedures, so it's very easy to follow along. Now, the next Tradeway seminar will be March 29th and 30th, that's next Friday and Saturday, at the Fremont Marriott Silicon Valley. And uh, you can get more information about that, by the way, by going online to Tradeway.com. That's T-R-A-D-E-W-A-Y, Tradeway.com. And you can register your entire household for just ninety nine ninety five. Plus, you'll receive an extra ticket for free to bring along a friend or a loved one, completely with a full money-back guarantee. Again, you can register online at Tradeway.com or call toll-free 877-907-TRADE. That's 877-907-TRADE. And here to tell us more about it is Ben Russell. Ben discovered through Tradeway a better way to learn to harness the power of trading. Ben himself is an experienced trader and hosts many events for Tradeway across the nation. Ben, good to have you with us. Uh, it's great to be on with you as well. Thanks well, for letting me talk about something I'm so passionate about. It's amazing to think that in 10 years, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up over 400%. And I imagine a lot of people that think back to 2009, even the experts, are dumbfounded by what we've seen take place here. And, of course, a lot of this really means that the smart investors and those who understand trading have really benefited enormously over the last decade. They certainly have. And you're calling out that there's a distinction that at Tradeway we help people to try to understand. There is a difference between trading in the market and investing in the markets. We actually try to teach you both skills 
And that's a distinction. Tradeway is unique in that. Let's talk about some of the things that will be available for people participating in this next Step 1 Start Your Journey um, seminar that will be taking place March 29th and 30th. At these classes in the two-day events, what happens? Well, these events, they're two days, and they're pretty packed. Uh, You'll find that a lot of the people that are there have your common desires. They've got your your common viewpoints of the world. Um, It's sort of an extended church service in many ways. Let me tell you why, because nearly everything you're going to hear comes from the oldest investment book on the planet. We just happen to call that the Bible. It's pretty amazing to realize that Pastor David's passion is helping to take biblical concepts and translate them into the financial world so that we're able to leverage these biblical concepts for you know, the good of ourselves and the good of our families, the good of our churches and the good of our communities. Now, Ben, in the process, is there also education offered in terms of learning how to, to balance all of this? And I ask that question because, you know, people hear me reference, oh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up over 400 percent since 2009, and they think it's like, you know, uh, dropping uh, cash or, or change inside of a gumball machine. It always returns on your investment. That isn't necessarily true. There can be switches in markets, and so people, as much as they want to understand how they can harness the power of the stock market to make money for everything from retirement planning to buy a home to maybe fund a child's education. They also want to know, are there things that I'll learn at this event that can help me better understand how to protect my investments when the markets, in fact, do change? Well, it's something that we spend so much time talking through because it's, it's not intuitively obvious until someone shows you, like at a tradeway event, but the markets do go through cycles. And even though the last 10 years, if you described, the market has been, has been up, it wasn't straight up. So if you were to go back and you would look, you would see up, down, up, down, up, down. And what Tradeway begins to teach you how to do is to look at what are the financial institutions doing out there, because they really can't hide their activity if you've got the right tool sets. Tradeway, what we do is we teach you how those tools work. We show you how inexpensive it is to leverage those tools. And it's sort of like we're giving you a peek behind the curtains, the, the financial elite of the world, how they're doing what they do, and giving you an opportunity. If you've got a computer, you can do it too. There's also a dynamic here, and maybe you can share some insights on this because you've experienced it with your own family, and that is to, to take what you learn and the skills in learning how to trade and to be able to put the essentially the fruit of one's labor into entrepreneurship, building a family business, things of that sort. Give us some insights. That's a huge part of the culture at Tradeway because our, our thought process is we've looked at how the country's changed over the last few decades. We realize that the steep slope downward is getting steeper. And a big part of what we see is not only are biblical values not being taught and or valued, but neither are the concepts of how to be an entrepreneur or how to provide for your family and and give them an idea about what it means to not necessarily be beholden to someone else for a paycheck. All these concepts really are part of what made the American dream the American dream. And a lot of these things are going away. So we want to be a part of helping to reverse that trend, especially in the Christian community. We're going to expose these concepts, what it means to be an entrepreneur and how you can do it to you and to your family. And it's why we offer what we do. When you come, we want you to bring your family. We want your children, the next generation, to learn about these concepts because they're not going to get it in school. 
And who is this really for then? In, in that sense, when you say bring the kids, it sounds to me like there's really something for everyone here. So it's not just maybe the retired individual who wants to dive in, learn a bit about trading, make a little bit of money, maybe uh, take the wife on a vacation or something of that sort. It, it's also for younger people who want to understand the inside workings of Wall Street and how they can harness that power to plan for retirement or a child's education. Sounds like everybody on both ends of the continuum and in between. Is that so? Oh, that is absolutely the case. In fact, what you'll learn is at step one, there are thousands and thousands of people all across the country from every demographic, from every stage of life, from every opportunity of ethnicity, economic background. You'll see that tradeway, we go across the gamma. And it's one of the things that we so appreciate is being able to invest in others, particularly those that are a part of the church that want to be able to do something different. We get to be a part of tens of thousands of people's journey across the country. That's what it's great to be a part of Tradeway for. Finally, Ben, so you went through the program yourself, and now, of course, you help teach the program all across the country. If you had to call out, based on your knowledge and personal experience, one distinction about Tradeway that makes it different from a lot of the other organizations out there, and we know you can go online and Google and and find out all about classes and things of this sort, but what's the real distinction here, in your opinion, that makes Tradeway so different from the rest? Well, we're not an investment advisor in that what we, we're not designed to try to take your money and invest it for you. Instead, what we attempt to do is give you the skill sets to be able to learn how to trade and then invest your trades so that you can be able to be your own investment advisor. And I think that that's really kind of unique. If you think about it, most investment advisors provide you a service. You pay them for their service, and they're really happy having you pay for that service for a long time. Our goal is to give you the skill set so that you can begin to do this yourself. And while you're learning, we're here to help hold your hand, to give you the skills necessary so that these become things that you know how to do, and hopefully that you pass on to the next generation. So once again, you're invited to join Tradeway for their live event called Step One, Start Your Journey. It's coming up on March 29th and 30th. That's next Friday and Saturday at the Fremont Marriott Silicon Valley. Now you can register your entire household online for just $99.95. Plus, you'll receive an extra free ticket to bring along a friend or a loved one, all with a full money-back guarantee. To register, call 877-907-TRADE. That's 877-907-TRADE. Or, maybe easier still, go to Tradeway.com. That's T-R-A-D-E-W-A-Y dot com. And be sure to take that first step toward reaching your biggest goals. 877-907-TRADE or online at Tradeway.com. And our very special thanks to Ben Russell of Tradeway for being with us on this segment of Lifeline. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. The Apostle Paul reminds us that we are to be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within. Certainly makes sense from a perspective of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, after all, um, if we're in this love relationship with the Lord and he has redeemed us, as we share that good news with others, don't uh, don't we want to be articulate about um, what he's done in our life? 
and how he can change somebody else's life too. While certainly that's the desire, I think a lot of people when it comes to the matter of of sharing their faith or evangelism get nervous. They get nervous because oftentimes we are afraid that somebody is going to ask us a question that we can't give an answer for. Oftentimes this goes to the heart of the question as to whether or not we are ready to give that answer for the hope that lies within. Brand new book out that uh, helps give some insight to some of the bigger questions and uh, appropriate answers to same. Written by Mark Middleberg. The book is called The Questions Christians Hope No One Will Ask. And Mark, great to have you on the show tonight. Great to be with you. I have to wonder, we look at some of these questions here, you know, what makes you sure that God exists? How can we trust the Bible? Uh, Wasn't Jesus just a good uh, man and teacher? Uh, are, Are very common questions to be sure. And one would think questions that at the base every Christian would feel comfortable in answering. But obviously a book like yours suggests that's not necessarily the case. Yeah, you know, in a perfect world, I guess we should. But the the real truth is a lot of us uh, grew up with the Christian faith. Our parents taught us as we were young, which is great. But when you're raised kind of on VBS and Sunday school and this is, you know, being taught that this is true your whole life, and, and if you're mostly around Christians, then later when someone really looks you in the eye and says, yeah, but how do you know? And, you know, you believe the Bible, it's full of contradictions, it's based on myths, it's, you know, how can you accept that? Well, a lot of us quite naturally feel intimidated by that because we just haven't prepared ourselves for that. So that's really the spirit of this book is to say, these are the questions we're afraid of. This is based on a national survey we did about a year and a half ago that summer we asked a thousand christians you know what are the issues that you hope will not come up when you're in a conversation with a non-christian and these are the top 10 questions that came up so let's get ready because if we feel ready then we're much more willing to get into those conversations and much more likely to be used by God. Now, for many years, you served as evangelism director at Willow Creek Community Church there in Chicago. Um, As you spoke with folks that were coming through your program, uh, there seemed to be a commonality um, over intimidation by some of these questions. And I'm wondering how much of that might have gone to, as you suggest, maybe a sense of Christian isolationism where we really don't know the answer to these questions because we've never been asked them. Uh, and then, too, maybe to a level of just simple biblical illiteracy, where a lot of folks are just not that familiar with Scripture enough to feel comfortable in in, in speaking to some of these questions. Yeah, I, I think that's very true. I think, uh, again, I think sometimes as churches we're a lot better at teaching, especially young people, teaching them what to believe but not why it's true. And so a lot of young people grow up learning the creeds, learning Bible verses, uh, being able to kind of parrot back the right answers. But again, I think in the training, and I'm a real advocate even in Sunday school classes, where we say, okay, let's let's role play here a little. I used to do this when I was a high school Sunday school teacher. I'd say, for the next half hour, I'm going to be a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon, or I'm going to be a strong, you know, kind of atheistic evolutionist, and I'm going to challenge your ideas. And, and at first it freaked the kids out, but then they, they really took to it because they, they realized, well, wait a minute, we have answers to these things. And so I think we just need to really force ourselves to think more and get more ready because truth is on our side. We, we don't have to be afraid of these things, but we do, as, as the verse you quoted, First uh, Peter 3.15, we do need to get prepared. 
There's a couple of issues here at hand, too, I think. Uh, I remember a number of years ago, Norman Geisler was on the program, and we spent some time talking about what at the time was an increase in, in how should I phrase this, a, a debate, really, over whether or not it was necessary as a Christian to believe in a, a literal bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ or whether or not that could have been simply a figurative event. And it was amazing to me the number of people that called into our program that night that felt as if, you know, whether or not it was a literal resurrection or a figurative one really didn't matter if at the core, you know, you kind of got the message. And and it, it was a, a, a very big eye-opener for me in understanding that there oftentimes is a gulf of ignorance uh, between what we believe and even going down to the core of why we believe it. Do you think that's true? I think it's very true, and I've been in Bible studies with all church people, evangelicals, who didn't believe in the Trinity or who thought they believed in it but would articulate it in a, in a way that was actually cultic. And so, again, I, my my mission is not to shame all these people. My mission is to say we just need to do a little more preparation. Uh, let's be honest, we need to do a lot more preparation. And this, Mark, I, I should hasten to add, is not just simply for the sake of more effective outreach and evangelism, but ultimately for deepening of our own walk with Jesus Christ. I mean, it, it would seem to me um, it would be important for every believer to know why they are sure that God exists. Absolutely. I, I think all of these questions first speak to our own confidence and clarity as Christians, especially, again, young people who are going to go away you know, go away to the university or college and have their faith challenged. And so we've got to equip them in particular, but really all of us. And then the second half is then we're going to be much more able to boldly and confidently and clearly articulate the message and explain to our non-Christian friends how they can know that it's true as well. So very much a double-edged sword cutting both ways, both in terms of being able to deepen our own faith walk and understanding and relationship with Jesus Christ, and then secondarily, once having been equipped with that information, being more effective toward giving that, uh, well, as we said earlier, that answer for the hope that lies within. Our conversation today with Mark Middleberg, a look at the questions Christians hope no one will ask. We'll come to some of those questions as our conversation continues right here on KFAX. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Mark Middleberg, my guest tonight. He is a former evangelism director of Willow Creek Community Church. His new book, The Questions Christians Hope No One Will Ask. As you engaged in this survey, Mark, and I think all of these questions that you outline and detailed answers inside the pages of your new book are all vital ones. Which one would you say, though, that tended to come up the most? Well, and by the way, I need to apologize. I'm just getting over laryngitis. Not, Not a problem. I'm operating with half of my voice uh, cut off here. But uh, the the very first question we addressed in the book was one of the top two on the survey, and that is, how do you know God exists? You can't see him, feel him, hear him. You know, he's not a physical being, and yet you're kind of staking your life and eternity on belief in him. Why do you do that? And, you know, I think as Christians, again, a lot of us grew up knowing God, believing in God, experiencing God, worshiping God, it's just a normal part of what we believe and know to be true. And yet, when someone says it like that, 
it's very intimidating and like, well, I don't know how to prove it to someone else. And so I addressed that one very first. That's chapter one in the book, which, by the way, I, I can give a website later where people can read that first chapter for free. Why don't you do that right now, Mark? Okay, it's it's thequestionswithanswers.com. Thequestionswithanswers.com. Right, and we've got uh, Lee Strobel did the foreword, that's there, and then the introduction, and then this first chapter, which is, you know, how do you know God exists? You can't see, feel, hear, or touch him. Let's, let's address that question. How do we know that God exists? If you can't reach out and physically touch him, and you're talking with someone who says, look, you know, God gets the blame for a lot of stuff. I just don't know that there's any evidence that God actually exists. Yeah. Well, it's a great question. And the first thing I say is don't ignore or discount your experience. Um, as a Christian, I grew up being taught this uh, as I grew up. But God is very real to me. And uh, I think anyone who's really walking with Jesus is able to t- talk about you know, ways he is real to them, ways he has led them, protected them, redirected them, even even when he convicts us of being in the wrong or of sin, that is God's activity in our lives. So first thing I say is talk about that openly and boldly because it's real. But if you just stop there, the average non Christian's gonna go, Okay, well that's experience, but you know, I need evidence. Well, I give two scientific arguments, and then one that's more, maybe a little more philosophical. But uh, the first thing I talk about in the chapter is the existence of the universe. And I'm telling you, this has always been a good argument, but in the last 20, 30 years, science has reinforced this one in a huge way. And the basic argument is this. First of all, whatever begins to exist has a cause. In other words, things don't pop into existence on their own. So whatever has a beginning has a cause. Second part of the argument says the universe had a beginning. And the beauty of this, again, is virtually every scientist now believes in some version of the Big Bang theory, that it, you know, at a point, you know, a finite point in time, there was a huge explosion at which everything that we call the universe came out of an infinitesimal point. And scientists believe this. And, and I do, too, and I think Genesis 1-1 describes it. But they, they think it's a natural event. I just say it's a, a scientific description of a miracle. And so the universe did have a beginning, but then the third part of the argument is whatever had a beginning has a cause, the universe had a beginning. Therefore, the universe had to have a cause outside of it, a cause that is great enough to produce it, smart enough to produce it, powerful enough to produce it, old enough to be there to produce it, and artistic enough to make it as wonderful as it is. Well, I'm telling you, that's the God of the Bible. And that's, you know, science and philosophy point to this, you know, powerful reality that there is a God that is beyond all of this, who created it. One of the other frequent questions that come up is dealing with the issue of the Bible. Of course, typically as Christians, we rely on Scripture as the source of which we use for good, solid apologetics, as well we should. To the person who says, but wait a minute, the Bible was written by men, it's wrought with all kinds of contradictions and errors and mistakes, how or why should we trust the Bible? Again, a question that is very intimidating to a lot of Christians right up front, because they've always accepted it. 
and they're often tempted to just say, well, it says right here in Second Timothy that the Bible is inspired, it's the Word of God, it's you know, profitable for correction and teaching, etc., etc. And I agree with that. I agree with that verse, but that's not how you're going to prove it to your non-Christian friends. They're going to say, that's just circular reasoning. You're just using the book I'm questioning to try to prove it. You can't do that. So what? What first thing I like to do, Craig, is when someone says, you know, it's so full of contradictions, you can't trust it. I just like to look at them and say, you know, contradictions bother me too, but I'm just curious, what are your top two or three? And I'm telling you, it's usually as silent as what we just experienced. Because most people kind of parrot a cliche that they've heard, and that is that the Bible's full of contradictions, and they haven't even looked into it, they haven't read it for themselves, they have no idea. And you ask them what are their top two or three contradictions that bother them the most, they don't even have anything to say. And when that happens, which is the majority of the time, I'd like to then say, well, listen, before you start criticizing and writing off the book that has changed the lives of millions or really billions of people, you owe it to yourself to read it for yourself and look at it because you're going to find out it is true and it speaks to your heart, it speaks to your deepest needs. But now some people will say, well, you know, there's contradictions there. Uh, you know, some of the Gospels say that there was an angel at the tomb. And then other Gospels say there were two angels at the tomb. And so you can't have, you know, it's either one or two. That's a contradiction. I can't trust a book that, you know, where the guys can't even count angels. When we run into those kind, and by the way, that's the nature of most of what people call contradictions. And what I point out there, and I, this is what I talk about in the chapter, in the questions Christians hope no one will ask, I explain that the nature of eyewitness testimony is that it's always incomplete. Uh, I live in Colorado, I'm looking out my window, I can very honestly say there is a pine tree out there. But Craig, if you were sitting there, you may look out and say, what do you mean there's a pine tree? There's about a thousand pine trees out there. Well, we're both right. See, I didn't say there's only one pine tree, I just mentioned one of the pine trees I'm looking at. And so I gave less than full detail. You said there was a thousand, and you're right too, but in reality there's a lot more than a thousand because I live in the middle of the woods. So those are just incomplete levels of information. And so going back to the Bible, one gospel writer mentions an angel. He didn't say there's only one. He just mentioned that there was an angel. Then one of the other writers mentions how many there were. He says there were two. And as one person says, you know, here's a mathematical formula that's helpful. Wherever there's two, there's also one. <laughs> Isn't that good? That's that's a good perspective, and you know the the other issue here that I think can can give us all a sense of a sigh of relief. Initially, you think in a topic like this that it means that we have to get into to deep concentration and study and pull out the thesaurus and the concordances and spend hours on the internet doing research so that we can memorize all these details and data. But as you heard in those two exemplary uh, questions and answers, that it's really fairly basic. It's not that hard or involved if you know where to look and what to share. A look at the questions Christians hope no one will ask with answers. And as Mark mentions, if you'd like to read the first chapter online, you can do so for free. Go to thequestionswithanswers.com. That's thequestionswithanswers.com. 
com And Mark Middleberg, thanks so much for the time. It's a great book and one that's an easy read and yet I believe a very important read for all Christians who want to not just deepen your own understanding and knowledge of the Scripture, but also how to better improve your ability at sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.